0: God did his heaven and something, something, something. Hey. What you doing? What you doing? How you doing? What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? How you doing? really important. If you look in the mirror and you say, how, how, how am I doing really? That's, that's important. There are about three common responses we give uh, to the question, how are you doing? Uh, first one is, fine, I'm good, I'm fine. Uh, second one is, I'm busy. And uh, third one is, I'm tired. Right? Some of you worked all that in to one answer this morning. How are you doing? I'm, I've been really busy, so I'm tired, but I'm good. Right now like you probably did that. You probably done that today. And it there's nothing wrong with those. I don't want you to start second guessing yourself. The next time somebody asks you, like, okay, what did Adam say? supposed to say, no, not that. It, it's fine. Let's say what you really, what you really think. I, I think what I want us to do is kind of pay attention. If we're getting the same response over and over and over again, if you if you look in the mirror every morning and you say, how are you doing? And your answer every morning is busy, tired. Maybe, maybe we need to take a step back and try to figure out what does that, what does that mean about my spiritual health and my emotional health and physical health. And uh, so hopefully through this series, over the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about these three responses and find something really practical to help us. So just in preparing for uh, this conversation today, I've, I've come across some really helpful things that are gonna help me and my family um, get, get healthier. And I hope that that's the case for you. I think God created us to live Lives of, of spiritual and emotional and physical health, uh, and uh, lives characterized by peace and joy and purpose. But I'm not sure that's always our experience. I'm, I'm not sure that we're always uh, always in that space. so the goal is to help you move forward uh, into that that space that you are created to live in. So today we're going to talk about being busy. That, that's that's a very common response. How are you doing? I'm just we're busy. You know, we're really busy. We're really going at it hard. We got a lot, a lot going on. Full calendar. We're busy. Um, there's nothing wrong with that answer. Sometimes, sometimes we're really busy, but I think we live in a, a time and a place where busyness has kind of become a cultural value. What I mean by that is we measure people's significance and importance based on busyness. For, for many of us, and, and this may not be a conscious thought yet, but it's happening somewhere inside, when, when you're able to say I'm really busy, What you're really saying is, I'm important. I'm significant, what I'm doing matters. Because when you see other people who are really busy, you go, oh, they must be really important. When you're around somebody and their phone just is going off constantly with notifications and emails and text messages, you're like, man, that that must be a really important person. And so we kind of transpose that onto ourselves. We go, man, if I'm busy, that means I'm important. We've made business a virtue, a cultural value. Is that a good thing? I don't know, let's look at it from the other side, because the the opposite is true, too. We kind of look at our lives, and if if we are not busy, we we feel less important. I mean, how often has somebody asked you how you're doing, and your response was, well, I'm just, I'm not busy at all. I I actually have quite a bit of free time on my hands. No one ever says that to me, because then the next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to ask you to do something. So... uh, so a lot of people really want me to know how busy they are, just in case I have something I want them to do, right, So I, I think that that side of it is, is just as concerning. Is that I feel like if, if I don't have an answer that lets people know that I've got a lot going on, then they're going to think I'm not important. They're going to think I'm not doing stuff with my life that matters. And so I need to be, I need to be busy, right? I at least need people to think that I'm busy. Uh, this this may start off from a little heavy. Some of you are like, "I'm not ready to go that deep this quick." I I think this is something that that for most of us is an issue in our everyday lives. Is busyness a virtue? Is it a is it a cultural value? Is it something that tells you how important you are, or how important the people around you are, or is there a different way to look at it? Do we need to kind of approach it from a different um, perspective, instead of your level of busyness determining your health and value? what if it's about the rhythm of your life the, the rhythm of your life this is this is the pace at which you live and the space that you leave for things that matter uh, i'll show you this picture of new york city this is the island of manhattan uh, if you've been there or if you've seen pictures like this you've seen the skyline uh, what do you know about uh, new york tall buildings everywhere right these really t- these skyscrapers, and some of them are famous, the Chrysler Building and Empire State and the One World Tower. And because, because land is so valuable, if you get a piece of it, you got to make the most of it. So you build as tall a building as you can possibly build because you're going to maximize that space for profitability, for productivity. It, a, a tall building gives you more space for uh, making money, for putting office buildings, or hotels, or apartments, or some way for you to be profitable and contribute to the economy that is New York City. And so they build really tall buildings because the space is so valuable. But what do you see right there in the middle? That's a huge green space. Do you know what that is? Central Park. The Central Park. It is enormous. I mean, we we have parks here, we think a park is like, I can walk from one end to the other in a minute and a half, you know? Central Park is not like our parks here. It is enormous, it is huge. And if you have this profitability, productivity mindset, if you might look at all that green space in the middle of Manhattan and go, wasn't that kind of a waste? Like, couldn't you use that space to build more buildings, to create more business opportunities, and more jobs, and and more income potential? Could not you use that space in a better way? I mean, like, wouldn't Manhattan be more productive and profitable if you paid all that over and put some more skyscrapers up? Well, a long time ago, the people of Manhattan figured out that that space is really important. If you paved over Central Park and put up buildings, the people of Manhattan would absolutely lose their minds. Because this creates some space in their world that is so jam-packed with... Hotels and restaurants and fitness centers and all this kind of crazy stuff. If they don't have a space where they can kind of get away from that and go jog for an hour or ride their bicycle or walk their dog, they will absolutely lose their minds. But I think for many of us, what we've done is we've we've paved over the central part of our lives. Because I've got to be productive. I've got to be profitable. I've got to make the most of every minute. We've paved over all the green space and there are no trees in the gardens and ponds for us to enjoy That's that's a rhythm that's unhealthy. How do you know if your rhythm is unhealthy? Take a look at your calendar. Maybe you've got it on your phone. You can pull it up and you can look at the next week or the next two weeks or the next month. When you look at your calendar, do you feel peace or tension? Do you feel anxiety or do you feel excitement when you look at your calendar? You see, a rhythm that reflects your values Will create peace. But a rhythm that doesn't reflect your values is going to result in tension. If you feel tension when you think about your schedule, it's possible that your rhythm of life doesn't reflect your values. Now, how does rhythm reflect values? Well, I'll have a little demonstration. I am not a percussionist, so don't uh, get your horse up really high here. But a rhythm is a foundation for a piece of music that you can build on, and it gives you a a steady background so that you can add notes and you can add um, all kinds of uh, interesting things to create a beautiful piece of music on a good rhythm. A lot of our lives don't sound like that. A lot of our lives sound like this. That's, That's not a healthy rhythm. You don't want to build a piece of music on that. Whatever music you build on that is going to be chaotic and confusing and probably create tension unless, do you guys want me to just keep doing that for a long time? No? It's, it kind of grates on your nerves. It creates some tension inside of you. And I think that's what our schedules sometimes feel like that. So we look at our calendars that feel like this. And you're like, well, yeah, it would be nice to have a calendar that felt like this. Nice, steady rhythm and pace. And what makes that rhythm healthy? What makes it beautiful? What makes it a good foundation? It's not just the note. It's the space between the notes. Right? When you have this and there's no space between the notes, there's no, there's no room, there's no margin, there's no place for you to breathe and, and think and create. I think a lot of us who have kids, we think about, like, our kids need to be busy so they stay out of trouble, right? Like, the safest thing to do is to give them something to do all the time, right? So if, as long as they're busy, at least they're not getting in trouble. At least they're not annoying me. At least, like, right? But did you know that, that any, any educator or child psychologist will tell you that boredom is good for kids? Boredom is great for kids. Talk about that's our worst nightmare. Like if my 12-year-old is bored, we're, we're going to have a rough day. It sounds like a, a terrible day. But where does creativity come from? How do we, how, how do we find the space and the, the motivation to build something new? For most people, it's when you're bored. And you're trying to figure out for kids, when they create, it's when they're bored. And we've got to structure our lives to try to keep our kids from being bored, but maybe a little boredom will go a long way towards engaging their brains and getting them to do something good with their hands. That phrase of idle hands are the devil's playground is not in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) What God teaches us is how to have a healthy rhythm. So let's talk about where uh, we find this in God's teaching and how he created us to live. If we're going to talk about how we were created, let's go all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness. And evening and morning was the first day. Then he said, let there be an expanse above the waters, well, it's call it sky. He created the sky. And he said, in evening and morning, the second day. Then he said, let there be dry ground that comes up out of the waters. And he separated the water from the land. And then he looked at the land and said, let's put something beautiful on there. Let's put some oak trees in, and petunias and palm trees, And evening and morning, the third day. And then he said, what? What about the sky? Let's look up in the sky. Let's put some beautiful things up there. Let's put some some supernovas and and the sun and the moon and, and comets and all that stuff up in the sky. And evening and morning or the fourth day. And he said, what about the, the waters in the sky? Let's put something uh, in there. Let's, let's make some some bass so you can go and, and, and go fishing and catch some bass. And let's put some beautiful things in. This, some bald eagles to fly over Morse Lake and, fish and birds, and evening and morning for the fifth day. And then he said, what about the land? Let's let's populate the land. And he he said, what? I mean, there's going to be cat people as much as we don't like it. There's going to be, let's put some cats for the cat people, and then let's just put more dogs. Right? Cows and chickens and goats and evening and morning for the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, he said, "Let's let's just knock off. Let's be done. Let's take a break. it's a beautiful story if we believe in a God who could create everything around us in six days do we believe in a God that could do it in five could he have done it in five could he have done it in four three could the God that we believe in have done all of that in a moment so why, why this way why is this the way that this is presented to us in Genesis 1. Did you feel the rhythm? Dur- during the day, he worked. And he worked hard. And he worked at good stuff. And then at night, he knocked off. And then the next day, he worked hard again at something good and, and valuable and meaningful. And then he took a break at night. And after six days of hard work at, good, at something good and meaningful, it took a whole day to step back and rest. Was God tired? I kind mean, of doubt it. What he's doing is he's showing us a model of a rhythm of life that creates some space that, that gives you room to build something beautiful out of your life. Jesus modeled this for us as well, Mark chapter one. Uh, Jesus was he- healing a bunch of people. It was exhausting, I'm sure, just to have people in your face all the time. And so he wakes up in the morning. He goes away to a quiet place where he's alone with God. Creates some space in his life, some space between the notes. And in Mark chapter 6, he sends his disciples out to go do the same thing. He said, I want you guys to go and you're going to heal people and, and you're going to uh, perform miracles and you're going to tell them the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And they come back and they're so excited about what God has done. They've been working hard. Things have been good. And there's a line of people waiting to see Jesus. There are crowds all around him. And these are people who need something that only Jesus can give them. They're there to be healed. They're, they're there to be set free. And instead of Jesus saying, all right, I know you guys just got back from a mistress trip, but we got work to do. You see all these people? Instead of that, he said, let's step back. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna step away for a time. I think, how can, how can you do that? How can you step away from people who need him? Jesus modeled and taught for his disciples that the the... Nature of a healthy rhythm means that sometimes you can step back from important and good work for something that's a little bit better. Something that you need. That's what made the Israelite culture, I think, so different from the cultures around them, was this concept of taking the seventh day off. Because they lived in a world where they made their living off of hard work, work in the fields, and, and, and you grow what you eat. And so you've got to be in the fields. All the time, you guys know, farmers know what it's like during planting season and harvest season. It is is non-stop. And and the idea of taking a whole day off of that was like, no, you can't can't take a day off. I mean, if you don't work, you're not going to eat. But God said, I want my people to trust me so much that they're able to step back from their work and spend time with me and know that I'm going to take care of them, that I'm going to provide And Jesus did exactly the same thing. He looked at all these people who needed something that only he could provide. And he was able to say, I trust God enough. The the world's not going to fall apart if I step back for a moment. I trust God. He's going to provide. I I think that's a message that many of us need. We've kind of are in this mode where where people need me. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. I've got got employees. I I am needed all the time. Somebody is needing me all the time. And if I step back from that, if I turn my phone off, I mean, the the world could fall apart. But the concept of stepping back and taking a break is an act of faith. That the God that I believe in, the God that I serve, the God who made me in all of this, that God's big enough to handle me taking a day off. God's not looking at me going, you know what, this whole thing is riding on you. If you can't put in a few more hours, if you can't keep your phone on all the time, then I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't think God's looking at us that way at all. I think God is saying, I I got this. I got you. You're going to have to trust me. I've got this. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about anxiety and worry. And he tells people not to worry about the food that they need for life or the clothes that they need for their body. Those are the two things he says don't worry about. Don't worry about your food. And don't worry about your clothes. And you're like, those are sort of big things, Jesus. We're not talking about just not worrying about your cable bill. We're talking about, like, I got to have food and I got to have clothes. And Jesus says, I know. I know you got to have those things. But because you have to have those things, you can count on your Heavenly Father to provide them. And you can step back from worrying about that. He doesn't tell them not to work, He tells them not to worry. You can step back from worrying about that and instead do this. See, this is how it wraps up that conversation, Matthew 6:33. Instead of worrying about your food and worrying about your clothes, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. If you will create a rhythm that puts God at the center of everything that you do, you do not have to worry about anything. Like, oh, that doesn't sound even real. I mean, worry is just a part of life. Isn't it? What if it doesn't have to be? What if it doesn't have to be? What does it look like for me to seek first the kingdom of God and have a rhythm that puts him at the center? Moses gives us uh, some hints on this, some good tips. So we're going to do some flashing back and forth in time in in scripture. So if if you like sci fi movies that do that, you're going to love this. If you don't, just. Try to keep up, okay? So 1,500 years before Jesus says, don't worry about your life, but seek first the kingdom. In the book of Deuteronomy, which is, uh, Deuteronomy is like Moses' last speech to the people of Israel before they go into the promised land. So he's just kind of summarizing everything they've been through. In the book of Deuteronomy in chapter six, Moses uh, says this. Chapter six, verse uh, six. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk about talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses says, These words need to be built into the rhythm of your life. Notice Moses is not saying, here's what God wants you to do. Stop everything and just read the Bible all day every day. He's not saying that. He's saying, I know you've got lives to live. I know you've got a job to go to and you've got a family to take care of. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to build these words into the rhythm of your daily life. These words. What words? Well, if we skip back ahead, flash forward 1,500 years, Jesus is asked by a teacher of the law, what is the most important commandment? Jesus, if you were to pull down 613 laws of the Old Testament, what's the most important one? You remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the most important one. Love God. Demonstrate love for God. And how do you demonstrate love for God? I'm glad you asked. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's the. Most, where did Jesus get that? Did he make that up? Well, sort of, because he's the Word of God. But he's actually quoting from the Jewish scriptures. Where is that phrase in the Jewish scriptures? It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Moses tells the people, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your heart. Build them into the rhythm of your life. Your love for God, and demonstrating that by loving others, should be built into the rhythm of your life. Because when your rhythm reflects your values, it results in peace want peace in life, take a look at your calendar and ask yourself, do, does this calendar reflect my values and do my values line up with God's values? Does my calendar reflect that loving God by loving others is a priority for me and my family? And if not, maybe that's the source of some of the tension that you experience. How do you construct your calendar? Uh, you have 168 hours every week. 168 hours every week. We're gonna do some math here, and you're not gonna believe it. It's gonna blow your mind. You're at work or asleep, probably a hundred of those hours. So on average, you have set about 70 hours left, which will break down to about 10 hours a day. It's more on the weekends, but we're just gonna say 10 hours a day. That you're not at work and not asleep, and you're going, nope. That doesn't check out. I've lived my life, and I've never had 10 hours in one day. But the math checks out. Do the math. What are you doing with that time? What are you doing with that time? Uh, There's a a law called Parkinson's Law that says that work, what does it say? Uh, Work expands so as to fill the time allotted for its completion. Okay? What that means is uh, you may have a, a 30 minute job to do but if you if you give yourself three hours to do it it'll take three hours you may have a whole Saturday that you have nothing on your calendar some of you are like I, I dream about that all the time but you may have a whole Saturday that you have nothing on your calendar and you may have three jobs to do and those three jobs is probably three hours worth of work but if you go I've got all Saturday to do these three things how long is it going to take all day and you still might not get it done. But if you look at your Saturday and you've got, you got these three things to do, I'm going to give it from 9 to noon, and then I'm just going to quit. My guess is you'll be just as productive or more in those three hours than you would have been all day. Because work expands to fill the time a lot. We're capable of accomplishing a lot more with the time we have than we think we are. Our problem is we are a distracted people. We, we are a nation of ADHD people walking around. Some of you haven't been diagnosed yet, but you are. No shame in that, that's just the world we live in, and, and we're so easily distracted that we spend our time doing all kinds of things. You got 70 hours, right, a week, an average of 10 a day, that you're not working or sleeping. Some of you are like, I wish I slept that much, that sounds great. The average American spends 11 hours a day looking at a screen or some kind of Computer screen, a TV screen, a phone screen, a tablet. The average American. Some of you watched a whole season of something yesterday. <laughs> Didn't you? Binge watching. This it's one time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at your calendar. Are, are, is there something that you can step back from? Because here's the problem. When, when our pace, when our calendar looks like this, and there's no space between our notes, then we have actually eliminated God. From our calendars. We've eliminated them. We've, we've got our appointments. We've got the things that we put on our calendar. But did you know that God has appointments for you as well? He just doesn't tell you about them. God is putting something on your calendar for 8.47 tomorrow morning. An interaction with someone. That, that could point them to Jesus. But you have no idea that's even on your calendar. And your calendar is so full. You're like, well, I'm not going to make that appointment. I'm, I'm busy at that time. Well, what what if you allow the interruption? How many, how many of us are annoyed by interruptions and we consider interrupting people to be rude people. But what if God has made an appointment for you with an annoying interrupting person? And you just scheduled your life in such a way that you can't make you can't make the appointment. You can't meet it. You're you're going to miss it. Cuz you're too busy. Because you're afraid. If I step back from these important things that are going on, it's all going to fall apart. Even Jesus was able to look at a crowd of people who needed healing and step back. He said, I trust God. I need this space. I need this margin. I need this space between the notes so that I can meet my divine appointments. Bob Gall says it this way, loving people the way Jesus did means living life of constant interruptions. it. If you don't know Bob Goff, he actually lives by this. Uh, in his two books that he's written, he put his cell phone number, his personal cell phone number in the back of the book, and said, call me. Uh, uh, Justin is on our staff here. He's called Bob Goff three times. He answered the phone every time. And he just had a conversation with him. This guy lives this out. He sees every interruption as an opportunity to show love and kindness and point somebody to Jesus. This man is busy. He's actually a diplomat to Uganda. You think he's busy? You think he's got a full calendar? Of course he does. But interruptions are not annoying to him, they're opportunities for him. What if you lived in such a way that annoying people interrupted you, you brought a smile to your face? Because you thought. Here we go this must be god's appointment that he forgot to tell me about and here it is and i'm gonna make most of it if we can build some space some margin into our lives then god has an opportunity to work through us to do things that we didn't plan to do that we didn't have on our calendar and i think that's the way we're created to live i think that's the rhythm that's going to line up with our values that's going to lead to peace in our lives i think that's the rhythm that we're looking for so here's the challenge i, I want to i want to ask you to look at your calendars And ask yourself this question. Based on what I say is most important to me, what's missing on my calendar? Based on what I say is most important to me and most important for my family, what's missing on my calendar? If I have said that time alone with God is important to me, is it on my calendar? If I have said that time alone with my family members, one-on-one time with my spouse, one-on-one time with my kids, is most important to me, is it on my calendar? If I have said that volunteering and giving of the things that God has blessed me with, my gifts, is important to me, that I contribute to the kingdom and to my community, is it on my calendar? You're like, I just don't have time. I don't don't have time for that. I, I, I think we do. We the thing is that when we when we say yes to something we need to realize what we're saying no to. I talk about this with my kids cuz I've got two boys that want to sign up for everything at school. There's a call out for debate team, there's a call out for swim team, there's a call out for checkers team. I don't know. They sign up for everything. And before I let them commit, I just I just remind them, think about what you're saying no to. If you sign up for swim, you're you're saying no to something. Every day after school for three months, for two hours, and your evenings, twice a week, you're saying no to something all of that time. Is that what you want to do? What are you saying no to when you say yes to something you said is important? Look for what's missing, and then look for what you need to add into your calendar so that it matches up with your values. So sometimes we just need to be creative with this. Uh, I think one of the things that we get from Moses is uh, instructions in Deuteronomy where he says, hey, when you're when you're walking along the road, when you sit down, when you get up, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, put it on your put it on the door frames of your houses, tie it to your wrist, or put it on your forehead if you have to. But let your love for God be right in the center of your rhythm of life. I, I think one of the things we can pick up from that, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time walking down the road, but we do spend a lot of time driving down the road, don't we? What are you doing with your drive time? Is that an opportunity for you to connect with God if you're alone? If there are people in your car, is that an opportunity for you to connect with the people in your car? Or are you driving down the road and everyone's looking at a screen? Make the most of your opportunities. For for me, when I was was a kid growing up, we tried to prioritize family dinner. Like, we're just, we're gonna, we're gonna, as often as we can, hopefully six, seven nights a week, we're gonna sit down and have dinner together as a family. And some of you are like, oh, hey, there's no way. None of, we're never all at home together okay that's fine that's a reality of your life what, what if you said hey this is important to us but dinner time doesn't work what about breakfast what if family breakfast becomes your new family dinner and y'all just get up a half hour earlier and don't make mom cook every time and y'all pitch in and you sit down for family breakfast together because dinner just doesn't work be creative think outside the box but if it's important to you put it on the calendar and then If that means you have to say no to something that you feel like might fall apart if you're not there, then that's a question of faith. Do I really trust God when He says, it's okay to create some space? It's okay to step back. It's okay to take a break. And I'll cover you. Do I really trust Him? The problem is, if our calendars run our lives, then uh, praying for one is not gonna work. We, We talk about praying for one all the time. Here's what we mean by that. That every morning I get up and say, God, would you put one person in my path today that I can point to Jesus through my words and actions? Would you just give me one? Give me one person, one divine appointment, one opportunity. If you're praying that prayer and you haven't seen an answer, maybe it's because you're too busy. You haven't made enough space. You haven't allowed for interruptions. And God is saying, you know what? I answered that prayer for you today at, at 8.13 and at 5.05 because you're just going to hard, You're not willing to step back. You're not willing to accept the interruption into your world. If, if we're gonna pray for one and it's gonna work, we gotta embrace a rhythm that reflects our values. Values that match up with God's values. You see, this is not just about you. This is not just about bringing you peace. This might be about bringing someone else to Jesus. Maybe there's someone and God said, you're the the one I'm looking to. And your calendar said, sorry, God, I'm too busy. You're going to have to find somebody else. Or you can be the one who says, "We we have created a rhythm. I mean, we're busy people. Listen, busyness is not a sin. You can be busy doing things that matter and still have peace. You can also have a lot of free time on your hands and be doing nothing with it that matters. So this applies to everyone, retired people and busy people with families. What are you doing with your time? You can be a person who says, I've built in some space. I've created a rhythm where love for God demonstrated by loving people is built in to my day every day. And God's going to use that to bless somebody else. I believe you will. I believe it can happen. This is my prayer for you, that you will go home, if if you have family, that you go home with your family today, or maybe you'll sit at lunch, you'll get your calendars out, and you'll ask these questions. Does this create tension for me? Does this reflect my values? Do I see things on the calendar that I have said are important to me? And if not, what am I going to do about it? And then your prayer is, God, Use my 168 hours a week in whatever way you want to bless the people you put in my path. Would you pray that prayer with me? God, we are, we're busy people. You've given us a lot of opportunities, a lot of things to do, a lot of ways to enjoy the life that you've given us, a lot of ways to work, to provide for our families. You put all of this in front of us. But you also have shown us that it's important to have wisdom in how we manage our calendars. So my prayer, and my prayer for my brothers and sisters today, God, would you help me create a rhythm for my life and for my family that puts love for you right at the center? And would you use that to be a blessing to someone and point someone to Jesus this week? And you get all the glory for every good thing that happens in Christ's name. This morning we have an opportunity to remember the death of Jesus on our behalf. And this is something that we do every Sunday here at Sisterhood Christian Church. Because we believe it's an important part of the rhythm of church life. The rhythm of who we are as a body of believers. Is that we, we take time, it's on our calendar every Sunday. To remember the death of Jesus. So we take this time as a part of our rhythm to say god thank you for the broken body and shed blood of jesus christ that's why we're here that's why i'm here that's why you're here even if you didn't know that's why you're here that's why you're here because jesus died to set you free and that your only hope at the life he committed you for and the eternity he has laid out is in jesus that's why we're here and his death paved the way so we have this time when we remember we say thank you, and we acknowledge that this is our own home. So I pray that you will spend this time whatever way is going to be productive for you, whatever is going to be helpful for you. If you need to confess her again, do that. If you just need to say thank you, if you need to offer up some gratitude, if you need to re- remind yourself that what this age for you, I pray that you'll do that with this time. Father, thank you again for the death and, and resurrection of Jesus, that, that he went to the cross, willingly suffered and died to set me free that he rose from the grave to give me hope. And I pray as we remember together that we are united by this, we're fueled by it, and you are honored in Christ's name.